Welcome to Seminole Church. Hi, I'm Mal. Whether you're trying to buy furniture, groceries, or just fill up gas, you've probably noticed that the cost of everything has gone up. We haven't seen an increase in inflation like this in my lifetime. But the good news is we haven't been left to fend for ourselves. All of our needs can be met by Jesus. If you need prayer or have any comments during the service, please feel free to share them in the comment section or privately online at SeminoleChurch.com forward slash prayer. Our worship service will begin soon. I'll see you after. It's great to see you. It's great to see you every Sunday, but especially after what we've been through. For those of you in the room, would you please stand and let's begin.
you pray with me? Almighty God, we celebrate who you are today, that you are the Lion of Judah. You are the one who holds all things together. You are the one that even the wind and the waves obey. God, you are in control, and we give you praise and glory this morning for all that you've done for us. We pray for those that are struggling this morning, who have lost a lot, who are who are buried and who are lost hope. Lord, may they realize and understand that you are there for them. Would you cover over with your grace and your favor now those that are hurting and those that are struggling. We lift you up this morning. The name above all names, in Jesus' name. the good 
about the goodness of God. You know, God is good, not just because of good things that he does for us. Psalm 119.68 says, You are good, and you do good. It is part of his character. God is good. It's who he is. It's the very core of him, and who he is never changes. I read a quote um, this week, and it says, God is good, not because he causes things that seem or feel good to happen in our lives, but because in the midst of the storm, God comes closer to us than the storm could ever be. So even though Ian has moved its way through and it may seem gone, I know many of us still have storms blowing. We still have winds. We still have struggles. And as we sing, may we rest in the knowledge that God is good and he extends that goodness to you and to me. the king of my heart be the mountain wherever the fountain I drink from oh he's my song let the king of my heart be the shadow
continue be mindful of all that God has done for us, both little and small miracles all around us. Miracles, count your miracles. 
how good it is for our hearts to turn our eyes towards you, to be reminded of miracle after miracle, little, small, big, all around us, God, that you have done for us just this week. God, we give you praise and glory. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that as we come now to receive from your word, that we would understand that you are here, arms open wide, ready wanting to meet needs that we are holding on to, that we are trying to do on our own. God, help us to open up our hands, to give to you what we so desperately want to hold on to and want to figure out ourselves, that we would trust you in new ways this morning as we understand your word. In Jesus' name. Good morning, and welcome to Seminole Community Church. Well, this week has been quite a week for pretty much everybody in the state of Florida. And so today we're going to be doing announcements old school. We still don't have power. You can hear the generator running in the background, and we still have a lot of cleanup to do. But we are thankful that that's the worst of it for us. And we're praying for many of those in other parts of Florida that have much bigger issues to deal with. But whether you're there on campus this morning feeling like life is back to normal, or if you're somewhere watching on a phone feeling like you're surrounded by chaos, we're glad to have you with us this morning. Later today, we are going to have another Sunday Celebrate. That's where we're going to be celebrating people who are choosing to make their public profession of faith through baptism. And of course, that always requires bounce houses and water slides and food trucks. So we hope that you'll take advantage of the great weather that we're having today and come out and have some time of fellowship and food and cheer on those who are being baptized. That will be from uh, 5 to 7 p.m. Next Sunday, we'll be offering Class 301, Ministry Matters. That will be from 1 to 4.30. Now, if you've already taken Classes 101 and 201, you've learned all about Seminole Community Church, and you've also learned how to develop uh, habits of a good spiritual discipline. So the next step in your journey is Class 301, where you will learn what your gifts and passions are that God has given you in order to serve the body of Christ right here at SCC. You can sign up for that online. Uh, Oktoberfest is right around the corner. That is the premier women's event of the entire year. We will gather and enjoy chocolate in all of its perfect forms, and we will do a craft project together. I understand this year we're going to be painting small pots um, that you'll have a potted plant that you take home with you. And it's always a great time to make some new friends in a very relaxed, casual environment, lots of fun. But we do have limited space, and it fills up. So registration is still open for Thursday the 13th and Friday the 14th. So if you'd like to come, make sure that you get your tickets as soon as possible so that you could go on the night that you would like to. Those tickets are $10. And you can sign up online or you can scan the PDF code in your worship guide. 
We are going to be participating in the local pregnancy center's Walk for Life later this month. On the Saturday, the 22nd, there's going to be a walk at Secret Lake Park in Castleberry. And you can get involved two different ways. Um, Seminole Community Outreach is putting together and sponsoring a team of walkers. And if you choose to do that, you will be given um, something that you can post on your social media in order to get people to support you. Um, it'll be very easy rather than going around with a piece of paper and asking everybody, we're making it easy for you. If you can't participate in the walk, then consider supporting someone who is. And we have a whole list of those online. So if you're interested in participating in that, just go online and you will find the Walk for Life information at SeminoleChurch.com slash Walk for Life. Well, at the end of the month, it's a very important time for our kids when we have our annual trunk or treat. That's going to be Sunday the 30th from 3 to 6. And we found that to keep everything moving smoothly, it's best to have everybody purchase a ticket and sign up for a time slot. So that registration has just become available. And if you want to, go ahead and sign up your kids for one of those time slots on that Sunday and uh, get the costumes ready. If you're interested in participating and giving away the candy and decorating a trunk, you can also sign up online. Um, regardless, we can always use more candy. There's never enough candy for this event. So if you're out shopping and you want to pick up a bag, just bring it in and drop it off. Or if it's easier for you, you can donate online. Uh, I think just the word is candy on, on the church website. Well, we have learned a lot about our needs in this past week. We've learned how much we need safety. We need a roof over our heads. We need food and water. We need power, and it's awfully nice to have a little internet, too. God did not design us to be self-sufficient. Instead, he wanted to meet all of our needs, but his plan was to meet those needs through his son, Jesus. Well, good morning. It's so good to see so many of you here. Is this the out-of-power crowd? Yeah, I know. You can tell who has power and who hasn't, right? They're like, if you got power, man, your hair's all did. Your hair's like, you're looking good. If you don't have power, you're just glad to be here, buddy. I want to welcome those of you who are joining online. Also, like Julie said, if you're watching on your phone or you're just listening, uh, we are glad that you're tuning in. And uh, it has been a week, hasn't it? Uh, at one point, we didn't know we were going to have church. We didn't know if we would have, uh, didn't know if we would have power. Um, the deal is, if we have power, we have church, okay? Um, and the same thing for the baptism that's coming up. Um, let me just let you know about that, and then we're going to pray for the, uh, just give some thanks to God about the storm. So we have a baptism, we used to call it baptism barbecue, now we call it baptism in food trucks. And the kids are trying to get me to add the words and water slides to the, to the event. Uh, we will have water slides today, which is fun for your kids, and it's a great opportunity for you to get to know a lot of people. Here's your homework. If you can't name 100 people that go to Seminole Community Church, this, your homework is to come to the baptism and barbecue, the baptism and food trucks today. Because this is your chance to get to know people easier than a whole year of Sundays. Uh, you'll have a chance to, there's nothing like watching your kids come down the water slide and praying together that they survive uh, with, uh, with a brand new friend. And they're like, that's your kid. Yeah, that's your kid. I thought so. Um, so I hope that you will come and join us and, uh, and to get to know some people. 
Uh, we'll have the food trucks. We've got some East Coast tacos or some uh, uh, all-American food, hot dogs and burgers coming. And uh, I think for dessert it might be it might be Italian ice or Hawaiian ice or something like that. So I'll bring a few bucks for some dollar, some some extra food, and uh, we'll have a great time together. I want to just take a moment and thank God for kind of answering our prayers uh, this week for the storm and to pray for those who have been hit the hardest, if you don't mind. Uh, bowing your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. Last week we prayed that the storm would somehow go out to sea. We prayed that it would decrease and uh, from the, the projections. And Lord, it, I thank you that it did not hit Tampa. I thank you, first of all, that it went farther south. I'm so sorry for those people in Fort Myers and south, but so thankful that this destruction didn't hit you know, the millions of people that are in uh, the greater Tampa Bay area. And I uh, can just imagine what the destruction would have been like. And we just thank you um, that as bad as it was, that uh, it obviously could have been worse. And thank you for all the lives that you spared. I'm sure that we'll be hearing stories, Lord, uh, how you intervened and how you rescued and how you, you helped people to survive. I do pray for those who have felt like they've lost everything, Lord. I pray that they'll, in the days past and the days to come, that they'll learn that all of our stuff's just stuff, and as long as they have their, their life and their loved ones, that they do have everything. And I just pray that as we see um, this unfold over the news and the next couple of weeks, that churches will reach out and Christians will step up and people will, uh, will show the love of Christ uh, to their neighbor. And um, we just pray that you get all the honor and the glory for that and that people will come closer to you through, through this storm. Help us all to realize that we have so much to be thankful for. And um, nothing reminds us of what we've taken for granted, like losing power and even some of the, uh, the luxuries that we have. Lord, we have it so, so, so good. And I just thank you. Pray for everybody who's waiting for their power to be turned back on and all the other things to come back together, the people that are having to replace freezers and refrigerators full of food. Lord, that you'll meet their needs. And I thank you for uh, keeping our church family relatively safe uh, through this whole ordeal. I pray that we will continue to, to look to you and that we will count all of our miracles. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you've got your program, if you don't mind turning uh, to the inside there, uh, the outline um, that's there. I've got several things for you to, uh, to write down. And we're going to try to cover like three or four or five different little stories or snippets of stories. Um, as long as you guys listen fast, I was able to get us out of town, out on time for the first service because I knew you were coming. Um, but since nobody's coming after you, you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of it. No, uh, dolphins aren't playing today, so I can go on and on and on. Um, if you weren't here last week, I mentioned that we um, we just finished a series called "The Best Question Ever," and that whole series, the premise of that series was that in order to kind of regret-proof our life or to live a life with fewer regrets than the life we've, we've lived so far, the best question that we should ask is, what is the wise thing to do in light of our past and current and future? What's the wise thing for us to do? This series, called This is Jesus, brings up another important question, and I feel like it's the most important question that we could ever talk about. But this question is not a question that we ask. This question is a question that we each have to answer. The question of who is Jesus. 
And every week during this series, we're wrestling with the same question that Jesus posed to his disciples almost 2,000 years ago when he said, who do you say that I am? So that's the question for you and for, for me, for us to answer individually is, who do you say that Jesus is? What do you really believe about Jesus? Because if you want to come face to face with the real Jesus, if you want to experience Jesus in your life in a real way, then you've got to nail down what you believe about him. Because our answer to that question will determine the quality of our life today and it will determine our place in eternity. It will determine our eternal destination forever. So I believe that this is the most important question that you will ever be asked. Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, last week we talked about Jesus as Messiah. We said that as a Messiah, Jesus came to pay for our sins and to save us from the penalty of our sin. This week, I want us to look at how Jesus meets all of our needs, that he is the provider. He provides for all of us and meets all of our needs if we trust him. Because here's the truth. We all have the same basic needs. You've seen this played out in front of you this past week. That no matter where you are in life, the storms of life hit everyone they hit all of us the same. Now, it's interesting that in 1943, American psychologist Abraham Maslow outlined what he has called the hierarchy of human needs that are common to all of us. And this is not just Americans, but this is in every culture. You may have studied this at some point if you took a psychology class in college. But if you look at the figure that I have on the screen there, um, it's just a... It's just a pyramid, an upside-down, I guess it's a triangle, and it has five levels. Five levels of human needs is what he, what he enumerated for us. And no matter who you are, no matter what culture you're in on this planet, we all share the same five common needs. And as I go through this pyramid, we're going to kind of start from the bottom and work our, work our way up. But as we're doing this, I want you to see if you can identify where your greatest current need lands in this scale or in this graphic. In other words, when you came in, when you pulled into the parking lot today, you had something that's bothering you. You had something that's worrying you. Maybe you've even been praying about it. You've come in here with some problems, with some worries. I want you to see if you can identify at what level is that problem or that worry that you're facing right now? We'll start at the bottom of the pyramid, and we'll start with our most fundamental needs. And it says on there, um, physical survival, and that's the, the need for food, for water, for warmth, for rest. Boy, haven't we seen this play out in front of us um, this past week or so. These are the survival things that I need just to make it through the next day. If we don't get these needs met, we can't even worry about the higher needs. These are where we start with, Can I have a, do I have enough to survive? Now, some people have tried to put Internet down there on that, 
on, on that. And I don't think that, at least biblically speaking, that Internet qualifies for a physical survival kind of need, although some of our teenagers are probably disagreeing with me right now because they don't seem to be able to make it without TikTok for very long. Um, the second level is feeling safe and secure, still under the basic needs category. Feeling safe and secure. Do you feel safe emotionally? Do you feel safe and secure physically? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure financially? Do you feel secure relationally in your marriage? That's safety, feeling safe, safe and secure. If we go up even higher to the red level that's there, it's a psychological need, and that is that we all have a need for love and belonging. That's where friendship and intimacy and being accepted and being known by others comes in. We all have a need for love. We all have a need for friendship. This is how God made us. Then you go up to the next, high, next to the highest level is self-worth. That's where you develop your identity of who, who am I? Your identity and your accomplishments. In other words, when I look in the mirror, am I happy with the person that I see staring back at me. I know it's a little scary this week for some of us. You don't have, you don't have uh, lights or uh, hot water or the ability to... Uh, but it's not the physical appearance am I satisfied with. It's am I satisfied with who that person is when I look at myself in the mirror. And the last one is the self-fulfillment needs. And that is, am I reaching my full, pot full potential? The highest level is reaching our full potential. In other words, am I the person that God's created me to be? Am I living out my ultimate purpose in life? Am I living a fulfilling life? Am I finding fulfillment in life? Now here's the interesting thing about this whole hierarchy of needs. I can't think of worrying about my highest needs unless I have my lower needs taken care of. In other words... I'm not worried about reaching my full potential if, if I don't have a roof over my head. I'm not worried about what is my purpose in life if I don't have enough food to make it through the rest of the day. I have to take care of my basic needs before that I can start worrying about the higher needs. And the point is that we all have these needs, not these same needs. Now, we do all kinds of things to meet those needs, don't we? Sometimes we do some unhealthy things to meet our needs. In other words, we will sacrifice some of the things at the top of the pyramid in order to, to solidify some of those, those core or those basic lower needs. In fact, I've talked to a lot of people who they will stay in an unhealthy relationship or an emotionally abusive relationship. They will sacrifice their self-worth. Who they see in the mirror, they'll sacrifice that. Why? Because they just want to be loved and they just want to belong. They will give up self-worth for that sake of belonging. We all will sacrifice some of the higher levels in order to maintain the lower level ones. But the truth is, we can't meet all of our needs. Now, we can meet some of our needs. We can, individually, we can meet some of our own needs. And then some of the people in our life that we turn to, they can meet some of our needs our friends, our family, our spouse, our loved ones. But we can't meet all of our needs, and neither can the people in our life 
they can't meet all of our needs as well. There's only one person who is really able to meet every need that we have. And I would submit this morning that his name is Jesus Christ. And from the basic needs of survival all the way to purpose in life and reaching your full potential of who God created you to be, Jesus wants to meet our needs if we will bring them to him and trust him with them. So today I want to talk about how, how or why we can trust Jesus with all of our needs. And whatever you're facing, whatever was your biggest problem walking in here today, I want us to leave here believing and trusting that Jesus can meet those needs. And today I want to start by exploring, and we're going to start this incredible story in the New Testament. And this particular story is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anytime I find a story in the Bible that's in all four Gospels, I feel like God's trying to like, hello, hello, pay attention to this one. This one's important. They're all important. But this one is like, I'm telling you four times, so it's four times as important as the one that I only told you one time. That's how I look at it. I'm going to start by reading Matthew chapter 14, verses 14 to 21. It'll be on the back screen. It'll also be in your worship guide if you want to follow along there. It says that Jesus saw the huge crowd, and he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Jesus immediately starts meeting people's physical needs. He's healing their sicknesses. In verse 15 it says, That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is remote place and it's already getting late send the crowds away so they go to the villages to buy some food for themselves but jesus said to them that isn't necessary you feed them so the disciples are looking around as it starts to get late in the day and they're starting to sweat they're starting to uh they're starting to look around and realize man these is way too many people uh, there's no food they are pulling out their devices they're like there's no chick-fil-a anywhere around this place um, so Jesus would send them away so they can, you know, they can find their, their own food and fend for themselves. Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going to meet their need. And the disciples said, but we only, verse 17 says, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answer. So they look at Jesus and they say, hey, we don't have enough food to meet their needs. And in verse 18, Jesus says, well, bring them here. Bring me the five loaves and the two fish. And then he told the people to sit down in the grass. And Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. He looks upward to heaven. He blesses them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And then, get this, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So he started with two fish and five loaves. We feed way over 5,000 people, as we're going to see in just a second. After everybody's eaten their full, they collect up 12 baskets of leftovers. If you've never heard that story before, if this is your first time, you're one of the ones that are going, oh, it's one of those aha moments. When you've heard this over and over and over again, it's like, yeah, 5,000 people, five, 12, 12 baskets of leftovers. We've heard it so often, we've kind of almost become desensitized to it. Verse 21, it says, about 5,000 men were fed that day. Wherever you have 5,000 men, how, how many women and children do you have? Because in addition to all the women and children, that's probably at least 10,000 people. So I don't know why it's not called Jesus fed the 10,000. It's called the 5,000. But here's what's amazing about this story is we see, or the principle that we learn from this story, is that a little bit of, a little resources, little resources are not a limitation to Jesus. 
He takes a handful, literally a sack full of resources, and he meets everyone's needs. The point is that with Jesus, he is always enough. And what I want you to know or what I want you to get today is that whatever your problem is, whatever whatever the thing is that's, that's bugging you and worrying you, whatever you came in here worried about, that Jesus wants to meet those needs for you and for me. Whether it's big, like what is my, what is my life purpose? What is, what is going on with my life? Those are the big questions. Or maybe it's a small unmet basic need. I need rent. You know, we, we need to, I don't know where we're going to get the money to replace all the food we just threw away. The power is back on, but the refrigerator is completely empty. Or maybe it's relational. and You're looking to find that special someone in your life. Jesus can meet all your needs if you'll trust him and you'll let him. How does he do that? How does he meet our needs? If we let him, he'll meet every one of them. But what we've got to do, our part in the equation is we have to make five Five critical decisions that I want you to jot down. These are the things that I've got to do in order for Jesus to meet all my needs. The first decision that we need to make, if you'll write it down, number one, is what I call kind of the duh decision, right? If Jesus is going to meet your needs, you've got to start by, I've got to bring my needs to Jesus. And we want to say, well, yeah, that's easy. Of course I've got to. You don't even need to talk about this one. Say five minutes, let's move ahead. But the truth is, it sounds simple, um, sounds elementary, sounds like I don't need to tell adults that we have to bring our needs to Jesus, but often we have needs and we don't bring them to Jesus, even though we know we should, we don't, at least not first. Instead of bringing it to Jesus, what do we do? with a lot of our basic needs and a lot of our secondary needs. What do we do? We try to take control. We try to meet our needs. We try to fix the problem. We try to solve the equation that we're worried about. We try to meet our needs ourselves. And if we can't fix it, then we turn to our family or we turn to our friends. I've got this need. I've got this problem. Can you help me with this need? Or if we exhaust our family and friends and we can't figure it out ourselves, we, we Google it, right? Someone will tell you, Google it. Or go to YouTube. We YouTube it. We go to YouTube, Dad, he can train you to do anything from changing the tire to, you know, uh, fixing whatever it is you need fixed. What usually happens at the end of all of this process is we end up exhausted, we end up disappointed, we end up overwhelmed, and sometimes even disillusioned. And usually, at the end of all that, when I'm finally wiped out and I'm, I'm disillusioned, I'm exhausted and I'm overwhelmed, at the end of that, when we come to the end of our rope, that's usually when we say, I guess we're going to have to pray about this. And you're almost like, oh, has it come to that? Oh, things are, things are so bad, we're going to have to pray about this. We're going to have to bring out the big guns. And, you know, the kids are like, oh, my goodness, you know, my parents are praying about it. You know how bad things are now. I guess this is the only option we have left. 
is the last resort is we're going to have to bring it to Jesus. Now think about that, okay? Because we have access to the one who fed five to 10,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Yet we only typically bring him our needs as a last resort. Look, there's nothing wrong with sharing your needs with your friends and your family or your small group or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with you diligently seeking, actively looking for a solution. But before you do any of that, before I share it with a friend or try to Google it, bring your need to Jesus first. Tell him your problem and let him guide you. Going back to our story, the disciples, they saw the need. They decided, you know, we're going to fix this need. We're going to do it on our own. We're going to come up with our solution. They see five, ten thousand people. They're hungry. Solution, let's send them away. Now, who does that have a solution for? It's a solution for the disciples. That solved their problem. Their problem was all these people. But it doesn't solve the people's problem of getting fed. They can go solve their own problem. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to meet their need. Now, at that moment, the disciples had to be thinking, Jesus, Jesus, you're crazy. How are you going to... I just told you, all we have is two fish and five loaves. That's all we have. Don't you see? I mean... I don't know. Who's our math guy? Judas, why don't you divide all this up? That's like not even enough for a morsel of bread or a taste of fish each for these five to 10,000 people. Jesus, we only have this amount. What does Jesus say to them? Bring them here. That's what Jesus' response is to their, their reality that they're trying to explain. Bring them here. Bring me what you have. Bring me your problem first. What if we did that? What if when we had a need, what if we went to God first? What if when we had a problem, when we had a situation, what if instead of reaching into our wallet or instead of jumping on the Internet or instead of picking up the phone to call, what if instead of all of that first, we went straight to Jesus and that our needs, bringing our needs to Jesus wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a last-ditch effort. It wasn't a, oh, I guess we're having to resort to prayer. What if it was our first instinct? How would that change our walk with the Lord? Because here's what happens when you bring your needs to Jesus. First of all, Jesus loves us so much, and he understands what our needs are, and he wants to meet our needs, and he has unlimited resources. He knows what our needs are. He understands. He has limited resources, and he wants to meet our needs. He has a complete control over everything. But we've got to bring them to him. And I would submit it's better to bring them to him first and trust him. So if you're facing a health need on your way in here today, you've got to give that to Jesus. If you're facing a financial need, He's the one you need to bring it to. If you're facing a relationship need, or your marriage is on the rocks, you need Jesus to be your marriage counselor. Jesus to be your great physician. Jesus to be your provider for whatever the need is. And when you do that, look at God's... This is just one of God's promises. I could have given you 20 verses like this. Psalm 55, 22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. Several other places. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will meet your need. 
If you bring, if we bring our needs to Jesus, he says he will take care of our needs. So, what do you need to bring to Jesus today? Because at the end, when we pray, I'm going to ask you to lay that at his feet. When you walked in, you came in here with a, with a problem, a million little problems, right? That's how you get a million little miracles. You have a million little problems. And it's something that you've been thinking about, something that's just been bothering you, something you've been maybe even, you've, maybe you have been praying about it. Maybe it's what you were, you were laying in bed at last night looking up at the ceiling listening to all the generators in your neighborhood. And you're thinking, man, I need power. And they need power because their generators are keeping me up. What is it that you were worried about or thinking about? Because for Jesus to meet your needs, you first of all have to bring it to him. Then as we do that, here's the second critical decision that we have to make. This is a hard one for me. I've got to remain thankful to Jesus during my time of need. I've got to remain thankful. I remain thankful to Jesus during my time of need. Now, it's hard to be thankful, isn't it? Especially when you have a big need. Now, it's not hard to be thankful once the need is met. I mean, when the power is turned back on, yay, we're thank you, thankful. We're like that kid on the Internet. That's corn, right? And you're thankful. If you don't know what that's corn is, Google it later, not during church. And, uh, and watch that whole TikTok video. That's corn! Um, that's okay. The second, first service didn't get it either. All the, all the young people did. We're all excited and thankful when the, when the prayer is answered. But it's hard to be thankful before the power's on. It's hard to be thankful before the need is met. When we're lacking something, when we feel like we have a need, Easy to be thankful when everything's going your way. Hard to be thankful when your money's running out or your company's going under or your marriage is on the rocks or your kids are messed up or all the other different problems. It's hard to be thankful when you feel alone and you're lonely. Not so easy to be thankful, but that's exactly when the Bible says we're suppo- it's the most important time for us to be thankful. During our time of need. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, notice it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. Thank goodness for that, by the way. It doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. It doesn't say be thankful for the storm. It doesn't say be thankful for the hurricane. It doesn't say be thankful for your problems. You don't have to be thankful for your problems. You don't have to be thankful for the suffering that we're going through or that others are going through. God takes no joy in our pain. But what he's saying is, he's saying you don't have to put on a, a fake mask. You don't have to put on a, paint a false face on and say, well, Jesus loves me, everything's just great. No, no, no. You can say, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going, we're going through some difficult problems. And I'm thankful, not for the problems, but I'm thankful in the problems. Would you circle the word in in that verse? That's what it says. Be thankful in the problems. Be thankful in all circumstances, whether things are going well or things are going terrible. Always be thankful. How do you do that? How do you, how can you be thankful when you're facing a big problem in life, a big need in life, a big, a big storm in life? How do you be thankful in the tough, tough times? The way to be thankful in the tough times the way to be thankful when you feel like you've lost it all, like many people are experiencing this, this week, 
is you have to find something because there's always something in our life that you can be thankful for. No matter what your circumstances, life is never perfect, but you can always give thanks for something. That's why we, that's why we think of the million little miracles, one, two, three, four, I can't even count them all. We've got those things. That's why we sing about God is always faithful. When we come and we worship and we say, you're good, you're good, so good, it reminds us. Even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of destruction, even in the midst of whatever painful problem and experience you're going through, no, 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 God's always faithful. Jesus promises to meet my needs. He's met my needs before. He hasn't brought me this far to leave me. Listen, we learned about this when we went to... uh, to the aftermath of Katrina in 2005, we went to Biloxi, Mississippi. We went and we saw people who literally lost it all. Their whole, their whole house filled up with water. It was like a, a washer machine juggled it all around, and the water receded, busted out all the walls. And we went there to help them carry their drywall-soaked stuff to the edge of the road to watch a big, giant truck with a crane come and get all of their earthly possessions, everything from their underwear to their wedding photos, and throw it in the landfill. And you really realize at that point, you know, our stuff is just stuff. And all of our stuff is going to end up where their stuff ended up. I know you think, no, 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 these are all family heirlooms, my collection of all these 999 whatever things. Your kids or your grandkids, when you die and go to heaven, because you're not taking it with you, you're leaving it to them, and they're going to sell it on eBay or on OfferUp. And if it's too much a hassle for that, because you have 999 of them and they're all individually labeled, they're just going to take them to Goodwill. That's where it is. If you go to Goodwill now, you'll find stuff that other people's grandkids have taken down there okay and you're like yeah but they're worth a hundred dollars to you to goodwill it's two dollars they're only worth two because our stuff is just stuff and it doesn't matter and you know what those people in 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 biloxi and in mississippi learned what they learned is i've lost every single thing i met a family and she literally dug through everything and what she pulled out to say because they had already moved to detroit they had already left all she pulled out to say was two or three little little league trophies that's this grand sum of everything in their x number hundred thousand dollars house and all their stuff a couple little little league trophies is all they took with them to detroit because our stuff doesn't matter and you would say, man, they lost everything. And she'd look at you like she looked at me and she says, I didn't lose anything. I've got my son and my daughter and my husband, and that's all we need. And the lessons that people that have lost everything in, in Fort Myers are going to learn are lessons we won't get to learn firsthand, but we should learn them secondhand. Stuff doesn't matter. They lost everything. No, they didn't. If you have your health and you have your family, you have everything. You haven't lost anything that matters. So we bring our problems to Jesus and we're thankful. We're thankful for what we can be thankful for. It doesn't mean that you're not going through a difficult time. It doesn't mean that you'll have big problems. It doesn't mean that your relationship or your finances or whatever. Nobody gets through life with no problems. We'll talk about that in a second. That's why... We come to number three. And listen, number three is the one I know that everybody in the first service are like, just skip this when you already talked about this. We get out five minutes early. We're not doing that. 
And I'm blaming it on Jesus because number three is I keep bringing my knees to Jesus. And you say, well, you just told us that in number one. I did tell us that in number one, and I'd be okay to move on. But because we don't do number one, we don't bring our needs to Jesus. Jesus has to tell us to do number three, which is I keep bringing my needs to Jesus, and that word keep that you wrote in is Jesus' word. I'm going to show you Jesus saying keep over and over again. You see, we live in a broken world, and, and there's times in our lives where it feels like our needs aren't being met and our prayers aren't being answered, right? Because I prayed and prayed and prayed, but my marriage didn't get any better. I prayed and prayed and prayed, and our finances aren't getting any better. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and my addiction isn't getting any better. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and the loneliness hasn't stopped. And we start thinking to ourselves, you know what, if Jesus promises to meet all my needs, but I'm still struggling in this area, why isn't life getting any better? We start thinking, what's the use? Now, I don't have all the answers to all those questions, but I do know this, that God is faithful, that Jesus promises to meet all our needs, and then he says, keep, keep, keep bringing them. And if I trust him, he will meet and provide all my needs. Now, sometimes our needs are very different than our wants. I always say our needs are not our greeds, right? He doesn't promise to meet all of our greeds. It's all of our needs. And oftentimes, we're like, no, this isn't a need. This isn't a greed, Jerry. It's a basic need. It's on the bottom level. It's a need everybody has, and we all agree it's a need. And we feel like, well, but God hasn't answered. He hasn't provided for my needs in my timetable or the way that I wanted him to. Because that's what we pray, God, don't send the storm. And we're like, yeah, Tampa didn't get hit. We don't think those people in Fort Myers prayed? What about them? You think you're going to go through life with no storms? Because that's what we pray. We pray, God, did you take away all my problems, take away all my storms. And God looks down and he says, so what you're saying, Jerry, is you just want an easy life. Exactly. That's what I've been trying to tell you. I want an easy life. And God's like, no. And we're like, yeah, but God, you said, you know, I, I, all i got to do is ask and you give me an easy life. You know, God blesses those who bless themselves. Because people think that's in the Bible, and it's not. And God says, no, I'm not going to answer all your needs the way you think I will. I know what you really need, and he's faithful for that. Because sometimes we feel like, well, I'm just going to give up because this must not. I prayed about it three times, Pastor. It didn't happen, so I'm just going to give up. Listen. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a story about someone who goes to a friend's house at night. And when you read this story in Luke 11, you're thinking, Jesus isn't telling us, this, this isn't what, I'm surely he's not saying what I think he's saying. And the disciples were saying that, Jesus, you're not telling us what, you, what I think you're saying. And then Jesus says, yeah, I am. Let me just explain it to you. So he tells this story. And by the way, the Bible's full of these. Have I told you to read your Bible lately? You should read your Bible. There's all these stories over and over again. And in this story, this, this family, this guy has his guests come in, and they eat up all of his bread. So he says, no problem. I'll run over to the neighbors. Knock, knock, knock. It's the middle of the night. And he's knocking on his neighbor's door to get more bread because his friends ate up all of his bread. And knock, 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 middle of the night. Now, what would you do if your neighbor knocked on your door in the middle of the night? Same thing, right? The, the, the guy at the house that's being knocked, he answers his ring doorbell and says, are you crazy? It's the middle of the night. He says, I need some bread. He says, I'm not getting any bread. I'm already in bed. Go away. Go home. Go back to bed yourself. 
Jesus says this. He says, but if you'll keep on knocking, if you keep punching that doorbell, you know what will happen? That guy will eventually get up and give you the bread just to get you to go away and leave him alone so he can go back to sleep. And you're saying, what is Jesus saying? You need to be a jerk. You need to be a persistent jerk about this. He can't be saying that. This is Jesus. He can't be saying that. So I'm so glad that Jesus in Luke 11:9 says, So I tell you, his word, keep asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, and you'll find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. Jesus says, keep on, keep on, keep on. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. Don't stop praying, don't stop. Um, you keep bringing your needs to me. Jesus gives us permission to be shamelessly persistent. I mean, you're like, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm like going to be pushy about this. He says, yep, you'd be pushy, pushy, pushy. And you'll get your answer to prayer. And by the way, this is in the same chapter where he gives us the Lord's Prayer. You see, sometimes we give up on things way too easily. Like, well, I prayed three times on Thursday. God didn't answer on Friday, so I guess it does. And whether it's your marriage, whether it's your career, whether it's your relationship with, look, my mom prayed for her grandmother, my great-grandmother, for 15 years every single day. I've never prayed for anything for 15 years for every single day. I don't know if I've prayed for 15 months for anything every single day. She prayed for 15 years. You don't want me praying for your salvation. I give up. Eh, God, you know, you had your chance, dude. Shake the dust off my, you know, that's, shake the dust off my feet. That's what some people's life verses. Fifteen years she prayed. Be persistent, be persistent, be persistent. Jesus says, keep bringing them, keep bringing them, keep bringing them. Keep bringing your problems to me. Keep bringing your problems to me. Be persistent and don't get discouraged. When you keep bringing your need to Jesus, what it teaches you about you is that you are relying on God and you're not relying on yourself, you're not relying on others, you're not relying on Google or, or YouTube. You're saying, God, I'm going to keep trusting in you. Great example of this for persistence is 2 Corinthians. Apostle Paul writes, he says, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Three different times I begged, circle the word begged, I begged God, begged the Lord to take it. And each time he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Not the answer the Apostle Paul wanted. So sometimes when we pray and pray and pray and we don't get the answer that we want, Maybe God's going to make you into an Apostle Paul. Maybe he's going to work into your character. By the way, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but we do know that he begged God over and over and over again to take it away. And instead, God didn't. Instead, God gave him his grace, which is sufficient. And what the Apostle Paul learned to do was to rely on God through this storm, through this problem, through this pain. You give him the grace to endure it. For some of you, you may be going through some difficult times and you've been asking God, take it away, take it away, take it away. Because that's what we say. We say, Lord, make the storm go away. And sometimes God says, no, I'm going to go through the storm with you. And you're going to learn more going through the storm with me than if I just made it go away with your magic prayer, your Bible verse to try to lasso me and make me do what you want to do. Sometimes God knows he wants to teach us how to trust him through the storms. I would say that everybody, everybody in this path is learning that. But Jesus says, even if you're discouraged, 
Even if you feel like God hasn't answered, you keep on praying. You keep on bringing it to me. Even if you don't get what, I, what you want, you trust that God is faithful and he is answering your prayer, even though he's not answering it in the timetable. I mean, that's what we get frustrated with God because he hasn't answered. We're like, man, God, you're slower than Duke Energy, right? Come on. I've been praying about this for months or however long. God says, you keep praying and you, if you want me to meet all your needs, keep bringing them to Jesus. Next one. I've got to wrap these two up. This is another one that we fail to do and we should do a lot better. I celebrate when Jesus meets my needs. That means I'm thankful and I have a party. And I acknowledge that it's Jesus who met this need that didn't just, didn't just happen. In Luke 17, um, there's a fascinating encounter. Jesus meets ten men with leper, leprosy. And in verse 13, it says, He entered the village and there were ten lepers that stood at a distance crying out to Jesus, now, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, leprosy is an incurable disease. It's very contagious. I mean, these were the first people who learned how to socially distance. And they weren't even allowed to be on the same side of the street. So it wasn't six feet. It wasn't 16 feet. It was more like 60 feet. And they had to say, leper, leper, leprosy, if you came their way. So you knew who, the, who it was. You could identify and you could stay away from them because it was such a bad and disgusting disease that was highly contagious. And they were cast out of their family. They weren't quarantined with them. They were kicked out. They were outcasts outside of the city. They weren't even allowed to be in there. So they see Jesus. They know who Jesus is, by the way. They have faith that he can heal him. And there's ten of them. All, and Jesus heals all ten, completely cured. I mean, this is huge. This is a miracle. And then something interesting happens. And we're going to be like, oh, that's terrible. And you would think that all of them, all ten, would be grateful. But of the ten men who Jesus healed, guess how many stopped to say thank you? One out of ten. Only one out of ten. Look what happens. This is the one who says thankful. He says he fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And Jesus notices, by the way. Jesus counts who is thanking him. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God? In other words, Jesus is saying, where did everybody go? And Jesus said to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. You see, sometimes when Jesus meets a need that we've been praying about, we like to look down and we like to judge the lepers, but often we're like the nine lepers more than the one. We forget to celebrate and thank Jesus for answering our prayers and meeting our needs. We forget that he came through for us. We, we go on our, with our lives like nothing happened. Like God didn't do a miracle. That's why we've got to count them. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them. We've got to be focused on thank you, God, for answering my prayer. Because if we don't, then we just go through life and we trick ourselves and think, oh, that was, that was just luck or that was just my own ingenuity or that was because I worked so hard at this, Pastor. Well, who do you think gave you the ability to work hard? Well, that was because my family thought about Who do you think sent your family? You were praying about it. You've got to connect those dots. This was Jesus answering my prayer and then celebrating, be thankful. Don't be like the nine lepers. Too many times we forget to come back to Jesus when he meets a need. We forget to say thank you. 
And when you settle it in your mind, when you're saying thank you, you're settling in your mind. Oh, I did this. You did this, God. Thank you. And that builds your faith stronger. So let me ask you, what can you celebrate in your life right now? What can you, what prayer has Jesus answered recently that you could thank him for and say that you haven't celebrated yet, but you need to stop and just go, oh yeah, that was you, Lord. Thank you so much. Just take a moment and do that. You can do that while I'm still talking. Pause and say thank you. Celebrate with them. Don't be like the, the nine ungrateful lepers that never stopped. All right, the last one, and maybe the most important one, is we have to, if we want Jesus to meet all our needs, we have to offer my entire life to him. Jesus could have fed the 5,000 with how many fish and how many... He could have fed them with zero fish and zero loaves. Because he's the creator. He could poof. In fact, he could have, he could have, just, he could have beamed the fish right to their belly. They didn't even have to eat it. Some of you don't like fish. You prefer it that way. He has the ability to make something out of nothing. But that's not what he does. Instead, he says, no, you, you, I want you to give me what little you have. And listen, the little boy is sitting there going, whoa, 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 wait. I only have, I only have enough for me. You're going to try to feed 5,000. I'm not going to get anything out of this. He had to be willing to give what he had. And that's what Jesus says to us. He says, you bring me your entire life, whether it's rich or poor, whether it's abundant or scarce, whether it's happy or sad, whatever you have right now, you bring it to me, and I will bless it. I will multiply it. Many of us, we want Jesus to bless our lives, but we want to hold on to our stuff. You know, what we ought to understand is if I don't trust Jesus or if I hold back, I don't receive God's blessing. Jesus tells us this in Mark chapter 8. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what Jesus is saying is whatever you offer to him, it could be a mess. Your life's a mess. He specializes in taking messes and turning them into miracles in ministries. Whatever you hold back from him, though, ultimately you'll lose. You want Jesus to bless you financially, but you hold on to your money, it's an iron fist, you won't honor him with it, then he's not going to bless you financially. You want Jesus to bless you with great relationship, but you don't honor him with that relationship, you don't put him first in that relationship, or you don't honor him with your other relationships, he's not going to bless your relationship. You want Jesus to bless your career, but you don't put him first in your career, or you don't run your business under God's principles, and he's not going to bless your, your career or your business. You want Jesus, whatever area you're holding back now, you're preventing him from blessing. So make sure that you give that area back to him, that he has control there. Now, before Dr. Maslow created the hierarchy of human needs, God already knew what your needs were going to be. He didn't need to wait until 1943 to figure it out. Before he ever created you, he knew what you would need. He knew what your needs would be in September of 2022 before he ever made you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to meet not only the world's needs, but to meet your needs. To meet your physical needs, just like he, he fed the five or 10,000 and he healed the 10 lepers. Jesus is going to feed you and heal you. Do you have a need to be loved? Jesus 
stretched out his arms on Calvary and he says, I love you this much. And then he created the church, a family for you to be in, to experience healthy relationships and to be loved by other believers. You have a need to make a difference in this planet, to make a difference in the world. Jesus says, I have a ministry and a mission for you, a purpose for your life, we call it, so that you can have a fulfilling life. You have a need to be secure. God says, I'm going to, if you will give your life to me, to Jesus, once you do, you belong to him, and no one will ever take you out of his hand. In fact, I'm going to secure your eternity in heaven forever and forever. See, whatever need you have today, big or small, you can bring to Jesus. You can thank him while you're in need. You can keep bringing it to Jesus, and he will, he will meet those needs. Let's pray and ask God to help us in this. And as, as we're praying, if you can just have a conversation with God, Whatever it is that you have a need for, whatever is stressing you out or worrying you, would you just lay that at the feet of Jesus? It could be a high-level deal, like you're thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Or I want to feel good about myself. And it can be a low-level need. Like, I just need to be able to pay rent. I just need to be able to afford groceries for this cleaned-out refrigerator. Whatever the need is, would you just take it right now and lay it at Jesus' feet as we... As we pray, and would you just say to him, Jesus, here's my need. I've been trying to fix it myself. I've gone to lots of people for advice, but I haven't come to you for advice. So right now, Jesus, I just want to trust you with this. You're the one who fed the 5,000. You're the one who healed the 10 lepers. Here's my need. God, will you meet it? Would you just do that right now? Whatever it is you're worried about. Would you just trust God with whatever that need is? Put him first place in your life. Listen, maybe you're here and you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you've been trying to meet all the needs in your life by yourself and find people to meet the needs and it's been just exhausting. It's not working. You're frustrated. You feel so empty. Today, for the first time, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. You're ready to say, God... I'm ready to rely on you for my deepest needs. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, just in your heart, in your mind, right where you're sitting, you just think these words and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Please come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I'm going to follow you from now on. I'm going to trust you to meet my needs. That's all you have to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't leave us to our own devices, our own selves, No, you allow us to look to you to meet the biggest and the most important needs of our lives and the smallest and the least significant needs in our lives. Help us to bring all of our needs to you and to keep bringing them to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Mal. In Luke 12, Jesus said that the Father already knows our needs and that if we seek his kingdom above everything else, he will give us everything we need. Watch for how he provides for you in the week to come. And don't forget to join us later today at 5 p.m. for food trucks and baptisms. Hope to see you there.